legit scientists right now are positing that we live in a simulation. I feel like a lot of stuff is going on in the world that's brought up a lot of these conversations, even in our last couple episodes, just with UAP disclosure and, you know, the Nephilim agenda that we always come back to. The world largely rejects their message and treats them as hostile extraterrestrials who must be stopped at any cost. Hey, campers, welcome back to another episode of Camp Herman. I'm your host, Chris Price, and I'm joined for this intro by my boy, Mikey Stibbs. What's up, Mike? Not a whole lot, man. Life is good, though. Camp Herman, we've got a lot in the works. Very excited about it. But we we do need a little bit of support, Chris. We need some people to uh, buy some shirts and hats and stuff. That's one way that uh, if you're listening and you want to support the show, you want to buy a shirt, a hat, whatever, every everything helps. Um, so you can go to campermon.com, order a shirt, hat. We've got, I don't know, Mike, what do we got? Stickers. We got a mug, different things there. Yeah. So we got, we got, I've got the mug right here. I love this little bad boy. It's like a camping mug right here. Um, I'm not wearing it this morning, but I'm usually sporting the Camp Permon baseball hat. Um, love it. It's it's a great fit. Um, it it just works. It's it doesn't look nerdy. You know, some baseball hats look nerdy when you buy them off of the, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying. But this one, it looks really good. Um, yeah. You know, that's the thing. I wh- whoever designed the logo for Camp Herman and uh, did that stuff did a really good job because it's it's very. I, I I'm a hesitant to use the word trendy but it's it, the stuff looks really cool chris yeah yeah so yeah honestly the logo tori and anaka kind of came up with some concept ideas gave those to a guy that i used to go to church with in philly who he's a professional graphic designer and he works for this huge um like food manufacturing company like he designs all of the graphics for all of their products and the packaging and all that kind of stuff and he does design work on the side and he donates all the money. He does that side work. He donates it to uh, missionaries. Uh, so not only is he a, an amazing graphic designer, but it's kind of cool to support people that are doing things like that. Um, you know, another person that we love to support who, if you can support us by supporting them is uh, Kevlar Joe. So they make amazing coffee. It's ethically sourced. It's organic really good quality stuff and if you go to kevlarjo.com and use the promo code campermon10 you get 10% off on any order in the store like we've got a few coffees with them dr judd burton has a coffee with them and the gilberts now have uh, some coffee with kevlar joe so you can use that promo code campermon10 for for any order in the store you'll get 10% off and then um you know that helps support us and it helps support uh Nick and Crystal uh, over there at uh, Kevlar Joe. So go to kevlarjoe.com if you need to get your coffee fix. They are your go-to. So Chris, you did an interview about generational curses. And uh, who did you who did you have on this interview? Yeah, so a, a little over a week ago, I sat down virtually with uh, two friends of mine 
who have been on the show, Jesse Dowdrick. He's a former occultist. He's been on the show a couple of times. And uh, Paul Dixon, who's a, a fantastic uh, friend. Um, so Jesse, as I mentioned, is a former occultist. So he has a experience in the occult. And then he he got saved from a dream that he'd had. He gets saved and he's a pastor for many years. He's not a pastor anymore, um, but he he loves the Lord. And so he loves talking about these things, kind of informing people uh, about just anything to do with to deal with the occult and spiritual warfare. So we we did a pretty deep dive on generational curses. And then Paul Dixon, another good friend, he works with Kenny C. He's on his research team. Paul's a fantastic researcher. Him and his wife are, they love going and exploring different sites and researching the history. Um, so we had a we had a really good uh conversation, honestly. It uh we recorded right before I went to church and I I felt like I was at church. It was just a really great spirit, Holy Spirit led conversation on generational curses. Dude, well, that's awesome, man. Let's just roll this interview, brother. Absolutely. Enjoy. Hey, campers, welcome back to another episode of Camp Herman. So this episode is going to be a little different. I don't have Tori. I don't have Mike, but I've got two guests that if you've been listening to Camp Herman for the past year or so, uh, you've listened to their episodes. So I've got a uh, former occultist, Jesse Dowdrick, and researcher and explorer, Paul Dixon, two of my favorite guys, honestly. Um, and, and I'm not just saying that. I've, I've kind of got to know both of these guys um, over the last uh, year or so. And they're just, they're amazing guys. They're, they're both super knowledgeable about this kind of crazy fringe Christian world that we are in. But one thing about them is they're both like genuine, humble guys. Like you can just tell they love the Lord. Um, so yeah, probably their best qualities is just their, their humility and, and their love for the Lord and their love for people. It just comes out in, you know, interactions and conversations. So I'm looking forward to this one. We are going to be talking about generational curses. So Jesse Dowdrick, he's got uh, he's got some specific stories to tell us about about generational curses, things that have that have been going on in, in his family. Uh, so Jesse, man, thanks for joining us, brother. Hey, man, it's so good to be here. I'm always excited for this podcast. One of my most favorite things I look forward to is whenever I get a call from you saying, hey, we got something coming up. Do you have anything? Is there anything on the horizon? And, uh, you know, this subject specifically, it's dark as can be. And it's been a personal journey and battle in my entire life. So I'm glad to be yeah. here. I'm glad to share this. And I'm afraid for my family to hear anything I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Well, listen. So, if you if you need to uh, change any names to protect the the guilty or or oh innocent, yeah, oh there's a lot of names to, <laughs> to do that. Yeah, <laughs> but if I mean, to, hey, you know, if we need to distort your voice and change your name, you know, we can and blur your face. You know, we can we can do only that when too, I use the to. names. No, oh, okay, <laughs> that might be a little too obvious, right? <laughs> <laughs> well so we've uh, also got paul dixon joining us man paul thanks for joining us man i think this is going to be an interesting conversation both of you guys have two episodes 
in our top 10 most downloaded episodes list. Uh, Jesse's is, I think, it, if I remember correctly, the titles, Jesus and Alien, Jesus and Aliens or Jesus versus Aliens, something like that. And Paul, yours was a was a camp conspiracy um, episode that we did. Uh, so, Paul, glad to have you joining us, man. This is going to be a, a good conversation, I think. Hey, thanks for having me back. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, Jesse, I want to kick off with uh, kind of your insights on general cur- uh, generational curses based on things that you studied and just what you've got going on with your family and your family history. So um, I'm, I'm giving you the 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 keys to the bus. Let's let's head to camp. All right, my man. Get ready. I'm going to throw the dust in the fire. <laughs> Listen. You know, as I go into this, I want it to be heard right off the bat from me directly. This wasn't edited in later. This is before we begin. If any of my family does hear this, I have no malice towards you. I have nothing, you know, negative against you. I want the best for you. And I pray for, you know, my bloodline and my generation almost daily. So with that being said, as you know, I do change names. If you realize this is you I'm talking about in my story, it's from my personal experience. It's from what I've seen growing up and you may have your own side of the story and that's absolutely fine. But this is my perspective and this is a platform I'm able to share this in and it's only to glorify God. So as I go into this, my mom came from an Italian family. Uh, her mom came over on the boat as they like to say, And that's pretty much all I know. Uh, My grandmother, I didn't get to know the grandfather at all. From what I've heard, he was abusive. He was an alcoholic. Um, He did some pretty messed up things to uh, his children. Uh, My grandmother and the grandfather I never met uh, had, I think, nine kids total. And my mom's one of the older ones. So she was like a caretaker. And, uh, you know, she was like a second mother to the kids. Uh, so growing up, I got to hang out with the majority of my uncles. Um, I got to hang out with the majority of my aunts. And as I got older, I got to see why we stopped hanging out with some of them. And generational curses aren't always just bloodline based. They aren't always just action based. From my experience of dealing with ministry for 15 years and dealing with witchcraft, I've seen both angles of the physical, mental and spiritual end of generational curses. And then I personally, just this past two weeks, got to experience how they're broken. And that's the story I want to share today. So as I move throughout this, you know, ask questions, it may get confusing because there are nine characters in this story. Yeah, Jesse, before you get into the story, can you give us your definition and understanding of generational curses, because I think it would be good to kind of clarify that because I'm sure people are listening and depending on your, your background, whether it's like more charismatic or kind of less charismatic where you are on on the end of the spectrum, you might have a, they might have a different definition of what a a generational curse is. And that's one of the things that I think we're going to end up talking about is the, I don't want to call it a debate on what a generational curse is, but I know some people don't, they don't believe in generation, generational curses, or if they listen to to Heiser, it's the way he's kind of described it is 
it's it's something where it's the in I think it's Deuteronomy where it goes to the third and fourth generation. He said that's basically the lifespan of the person that was kind of like cursed and talked about how yeah. how that affect the lives of the people around them. Um, but that in his view, it's not something that would like at least from a spiritual standpoint, as far as I understand it, it's not something that would like follow the bloodline, you know, a thousand generations down, you know, down the line um, where they're being cursed for something that someone that they never even met had done. So, excuse me. So I think it would be good to kind of define uh, in your view, like what a generational curse is. You know, there's so many ways to describe this and i'm not trying to just be all encompassing you know there are a lot of different ways a lot of different religions see this many different ways not just the christian religion but as far as what i'm able to tell the generational curse comes back to a very simple saying and it's the battles you you refuse to fight your children will fight so it comes back to what you're not handling or what you're carrying and you're not dealing with yourself. It gets transferred down generation to generation. So my experience with dealing with ministry and doing counseling is it's a stuck cycle. It's a cycle that someone can never break out of. It's a cycle that hinders the family. It's a cycle that, you know, gives a lot of issues to their children and then their children because of the lack of handling of the problems get transferred down. So usually there's six signs and uh, I could just give a quick breakdown, at least that I've seen and I jotted them down. Um, here's basic ones. No one in the family can stay married. Fathers never pass on their last names. That's a huge one in the generations now. Um, the second one is premature death, especially in boys. You'll see a lot of this because in the older days, Satan would kill and steal and destroy. He would always aim after the boys. And then if you look at like old evil, you know, wars and different things, they would take the women and make them sex slaves to have children for the next generations. So Satan's sort of death contract is always towards young men or men in general. Uh, the third one is poverty and the mindset of it. When you see people locked into that mindset, it's like a perpetual cycle. They can't break out and all they can pass down to their next generation is poverty. Unless you, you become awakened and your mindset changes, which usually leads the lack of knowledge and wisdom usually leads to addictions. And you can see that throughout families left and right, uh, you know, these perpetual sort of systems and modes of methods that you get stuck in are usually known as strongholds and you got to break those right so the strongholds don't get broken by you you pass them on to your kid a great example is you know if my dad beat me and i beat my kid the odds are he's going to beat his kid as well they don't do what you want them to do. They do what they see and what they experience. So they grow into that. Divorce in the families, number five, you'll see a lot of divorce and division. Um, if that's a routine sign that it's carried on, carried on, carried on, I shouldn't say divorce, it's more division. My handwriting is just awful. This is division in the family. And there's three types of division. And I've learned this. You have the rebellious. They're the ones that just hate God. They love sin. It's basic breakdown. You get the religious people and the ones who want to love God but have no power of them. And then you see the few righteous people. And there's always split division, right? 
And uh, <clears throat> the rebellious ones usually get along until there's a narcissistic battle struggle or a power struggle. And um, six is mental illness. When you see mental illness passed down and you see, you know, my aunt has it, my mom has it, my dad has it, whatever it may be. And it just continues down. My brother has it now. My cousins have it. It's something that's constantly there. So there's very spiritual, there's very mental, and there's very physical signs to this. And it's cycles. You could see them. You literally see them. So I don't necessarily think a curse is like, oh, someone cursed you. I think sometimes it could be more of, I pass this down, it's a bad habit. I pass this down, it's a bad addiction. I pass this down, it's a bad way of treating somebody. You know, you see your kids treat people a certain way, and you're either proud of that or you're not. You know what I mean? And I'm um, being a father now. This is a big part of the story, being a father now through foster care and adoption. Watching the bloodline be switched out, but a young man carrying my name is unbelievable. And, uh, you know, you see why God does what God does. Sometimes the bloodline and the generational curse will destroy itself. You know, Satan's whole goal is to still kill and destroy. So I hope that answered that question. I know that was a lot to unpack, but I know there are so many people that can relate to that. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was, that was a good, uh, a good breakdown and explanation for sure. Um, so yeah, man, feel free to get into your, your story and then All right. I'm going to assume here. One thing that I would like to do kind of after we get into your story and, and we, we start mixing it up with, with Paul as well on this topic, I ultimately want to end with some practical advice from, from the both of you guys on what we can do to as believers um to obviously it's all it's all the lord right but to break oh. those those strongholds and those curses that's ultimately where I, I would like to to end up which i'm sure it's that's the same for you two guys as well absolutely yep so <laughs> to begin this story you know, I don't want to start at my youngest days, but there was always a sense of witchcraft in my family. I was the generation, you know, my family that brought it in. And I always had a feeling that there was somebody before me, but I never knew who, you know, I didn't know who to expect. And I'm a very Italian family. So if, if one of my family members was warring with the other, again, there's nine of them, I think, total. When they would war with each other, 10 of them total, including my mom. But when they would war with each other, they wouldn't use each other's names. And what I found out throughout my teenage years is there was an embedment of witchcraft. And there was some overtones and undertones. I don't know if it came from gypsy belief. You know, parents were very, well, my mom was very superstitious. Uh, you know, you don't sweep the porch at night. <laughs> There's like very specific superstitions. And, uh, you know, I, they always stuck with me and I always, you know, sort of kept them close. And that one was a big one. Uh, there were always stories of the Ouija board being throughout my family. Uh, one of the early stories that I can remember that sort of kicked me into this whole thing was there was a story um, of a Ouija board that was thrown out of the house. They threw it in a trash can and they were all sitting around the TV watching the TV. And somehow the thing walked itself down the stairs. 
They took it outside. They threw it in the trash can. They're all sitting around watching the TV. There's no one behind them, and they hear knocking coming down the stairs, and it turned out to be a Ouija board. It reappeared in the house by itself. Nobody put it there. So it's super interesting that this stuff plagued my family from a very, very early age, sort of in their generation. And as I got older, we knew, you know, what aunts and what uncles you should somewhat stay away from or be cautious around and, uh, you know, very cautious on who you let into your life. So we always had that guard up. Now, you know, I think I was probably around 18 when I learned of my uncle. Um, he just passed away, my uncle Melvin's story, and I can share this, and I think he would love this podcast. And uh, he has a story right where I grew up. There is a section down at a park that was right by all of our houses. We all grew up in the same area. And there's a section with green pine trees and it's a clear it's always stuck out to me ever since i was a little kid and he said hey you know that little section over in the woods where there's pine trees only pine trees there and i said yeah melvin and uh he said me and nikki were out there and we had an encounter with aliens and i double checked this and cross referenced this i guess what happened is they seen the ship come down different things happen there and uh Either the youngest sibling ran home, whatever the case, and then people in black showed up to the house is how they described them and interviewed them directly. And I thought that was a very interesting thing to share here today um, as random stuff's just falling in my shop. But uh, So there is an embedment of darkness in that generation. You know, abuse was there. Alcohol abuse was there. There's a lot of crazy stuff that was happening. So you have like the perfect mix for a generational curse to be passed down or the sort of carry on to the next generations. I got involved in witchcraft at an early age. You know, I would sneak in the bookstores, start getting all that stuff. And for me personally, you know, my mother's maiden name is Blazowitch. It means blazing of witch. That's the name. So I have no idea where that origin came from. That would have came from her father's side. Um, and I think that was always so interesting. And as I got older, you would hear about the hag being passed down while well, the hag's going to get them. You know, you got to pay the piper. Someone's, you know, calling the cost. You would always hear these terms, and I never knew what any of that meant. And some of the uncles and aunts would always refer to like, well, that's the generational curse. But none of them would ever elaborate. It's like they were open. But not. They wanted to keep that mystery. And when things want to keep in hiding like that, for me, that signals that there's demonic activity. Because the one thing Satan wants to do is hide in plain sight. And, uh, you know, those comments were routine through all of them. They wouldn't mention the names of anything. They wouldn't tell you what happened. But those are some early stories. Let's fast forward to modern life right now. Um, you know, witchcraft, again, has been through many different ways. And you can do it through crystals. You can do it through different sort of walks of life. You can do it through yoga. You could do it through all these different things. And witchcraft in the Bible isn't always a spiritual practice, but it's a physical practice too. It's how you treat other people. It's how you, it's rebellion against God, essentially. That's all it is. You're making yourself your own God. And when you do that, you do your own worship. You do your own sort of, you know, piety to yourself, to the earth, to these different things, and you put up for sacrifice different items. 
And uh, you see that through Hollywood and you see that through all these things. But the bloodline has always been riddled with crystals, with witchcraft, with Ouija boards. And, you know, you could see it through different elements, whether, you know, kids are more attracted to X, Y, Z. You know, they'd rather watch Disney's Wizards of Waverly Place or whatever it is, or, you know, get involved with Harry Potter. It's all wizardry. No matter which way you cut it, you could justify it any way you want. It's wizardry, the end. So, you know, those things are more attractive to certain kids. My mom uh, took a trip and, you know, I gave her very specific instructions. And this is about two, two, a few years ago. And again, I'm not trying to rattle any cages, nothing like that. So if any of my siblings or anyone hears this, this is not to rattle cages. This is just the process and sort of the story. You know, I said, mom, you know, whenever you go to this person's house, do not touch the crystals on the windowsills. Do not touch crystals in the bedroom. And sure enough, she goes in and my mom's Italian. She does what she wants. <laughs> That's how she is. She's that Italian. <laughs> you don't tell her nothing. But uh, anyways, so she went in and she cleaned the room. And the first thing she did, and the number one thing you don't do with other people's crystals is touch them. The second thing you don't do is beat them together. You never clash crystals. She takes them off the windowsill, gets a box, and just goes swipe and swipes them all in. And when I heard that, I said, you have no idea what you just did. You have no idea what you just entered into. Calamity followed that whole trip. She had random burn marks on her legs. She had bites on her legs. She couldn't sleep in that room. There was calamity with the place she was staying. The garage door broke. The AC in the person's house she was staying with broke in the house. It broke in the car. Literally the worst turbulence she's ever experienced on an airplane coming home. And then this stuff continually followed her. She had a basic surgery, very, very simple surgery, and just full calamity hit. Witchcraft will embed itself throughout generations. So there's always a doorway into your life. And this is a part of their curse. Go ahead. So can you explain to us what what crystals are, are used for and and why her touching them and, and then put them all in the box and clanging together. Like what, what, what did that do exactly? Can you break that down as far as crystals? I've always been, I've really never looked into it too much. I just know that they're used in witchcraft. So I don't want to have anything to, to do with it. So a lot of people will talk about crystals. Some of them believe to be petrified or purified parts of, you know, the fallen in the flood. There's a lot of that conversation but they hold elements we don't understand. And we think we understand them, but they can grab whatever energies whenever they wanna grab them. We don't know what energies they're grabbing. So what I always tell people with crystals is you think you know what you have there, but it's a hidden beast. Demons can work with them. Demons can come through them. They can hide in them. They can put their energies towards them. And whenever you do pentagrams, whenever you do rituals, you pull out different quartz. You know, anyone I see wear rose quartz, get that garbage off your body. I have had so many stories of people hurting, like falling downstairs, concussions. And uh, this is giving me the chills talking about this because it's making me realize a lot. When the quartz bracelets break or the rose quartz breaks, they have calamity hit them. 
So we don't determine what energies these crystals grab, and we don't determine when they release them. So you can have an ancient piece of stone that was, you know, in a massacre area in your house, and there's all these trapped things inside, whether it's demonic, whether it's negative energies, and people think they're just pretty. They're just, I will never have a crystal anywhere near my house. I will not have them on my property if I can help it. Uh, you know, we, we understand them, we get the element base, but we do not have the idea of what they've picked up. We don't know where they've been. When you clang them together, they do a release. And uh, usually to the person that touches them because their energy, energy transfers. That's what it does. It's like a magnet, you know, positive, the positive, negative, the negative. It sort of will grab on. So if there's something hiding or empowered negatively in those stones, whether it was done on purpose or by accident, it will release. Do not wear crystals around your neck. Do not put them on your body. I don't care if they tell you they will protect you. If you want protection, go to the creator of the crystals. <laughs> go to the creator that creates and has the most high in the final sale. Go to God. You don't need crystals to protect you. You don't need crystals to guard you. That's Jesus and the Holy Spirit's job. You don't need that other stuff. Get rid of it out of your life. But, um, you know, that's my segment on crystals. I will never, ever allow that around my kids. I won't allow it in my house. And, you know, we've ordered stuff from businesses and they'll send like crystal infused oil. That crap goes right in the trash. It has no place in my house because I understand we don't control those crystals. They control themselves and they pull and release when they want to. So we don't know what they're grabbing. I learned that from a very early age too. We were not allowed to have that stuff around. So, you know, in the only way you have that knowledge and the only way you understand that is if you dabbled in witchcraft, you do not play with crystals. So my mom, you know, being the way she was, she went over to the windowsill and just hog slammed these all into a box and threw them in the cupboard. I said, mom, you have no idea. I told you not to do it. Oh, it's not a big deal. And you know, some people always write stuff off and then the calamity started the mass chaos. And in that house, you know, there were Ouija board sessions and uh, you know, the person and his daughter had questions answered that only the father knew stuff like that. So wild stuff wild wild stuff and it's all straight up it's really hard to talk about when you don't want to use names but witchcraft finds a host it's like a leech or a virus it finds a host and that's its doorway back so like with my generation i was the one that practiced it i was the one that did it and the next generations you know there were certain people in the generation after that there were certain people involved and it's always been an overlining, underlining in my family bloodline. And I believe that's the curse. I believe that's always been there. And I just don't know my family history enough to know further than the grandfather I never knew. So that stuff is traced down. And, you know, that family, my mom's side of the family have always been warring, have always been rough. And I just found out at my uncle's funeral, the funeral director went to school with all of them. And there's four sisters and he said, oh, we used to always say there's the four witches. So there has to be some validity wow. in witchcraft. So in their name was Blazowicz. So, I mean, was it just making fun of them or was that speaking a direct curse or realization over them? And, uh, you know, 
the most recent stuff that has happened, and I'm not going to try to keep you guys. I hope it's still captivating. Excuse me. <laughs> it's really odd. With my mom going through like mass depression, mass struggle in these past two years, it was after a simple eye surgery. She just spun out of control and all these things have happened. My my wife has had dreams. My, you know, my family has been in chaos and I'm big on attachment to items. You know, I won't put crucifixes in my house. A lot of people don't know, you know, crucifixes are one of the most cursed items out there. That's literally what Satanists and witches will go into stores, point out directly and curse because it's just a torture device. The only realization that a crucifix has is if there's demonic possession, it's a reminder of Jesus dying on the cross. That's a sign of their defeat. That's the banner of defeat. But otherwise, it's just a piece of wood. It has no meaning. It has no value. It's what killed our Savior. We should not idolize that at all. But anyway, so with that being said, you know, there were big items on that list that we tried to get out of the house crystals worked their way into the house different things worked their way and we tried to remove all these things my wife had a dream and i want to tell this and if i'm going too long or if i'm going too on bird and you let me know um but no, the dream good, okay fantastic there's a hallway in my house that i've always had experiences in and it divides the bath it's like a crossroads it divides the bathroom to the basement to the game room to the dining room and uh, I always had experiences in that hallway with different things, dark feelings. And my wife has this dream, and it's her and a healer in this dream. And in this dream, there's a big, dark creature, and they're both scared of it. And they said, what are you here for? What do you want? And she said, I'm here for your mom. And she would use my mom's name. And, uh, you know, then a paramedic showed up and carted off this thing because they called the paramedics in the dream to get them out of the house. And the paramedic turned directly to my wife and I said, no matter how many times I take this away and it dies, it's going to come back right there in that dream signals a generational curse. Something that says it will return and it will be back no matter what you do to it signals it has a tie someone put a tie in place there's something there whether it was spiritual whether it was a contract there's something there and i'm very christian don't get me wrong you know but i do believe if someone makes a claim if someone you know puts up for offering and they haven't repented that thing can hinder your bloodline so you know i'm coming home from work one day and i have two of my workers in my truck and we're pulling in and my one worker, who is not Christian at all, and I love him, he's hilarious, he's amazing. We were pulling down, and I looked over, and uh, he goes, hey, who's down there with your wife and your neighbor? And I said, nobody, there's nobody there. I, I just wrote it off. I'm like, ah, maybe he's just seen something, whatever the case. And then I pulled down, and he said, yeah, tell you know your neighbor and his wife. I said, hi, and he, he's still seen him. And I'm like, there's no one there, so... When I was going inside and I'm sitting down with my wife, I said, hey, uh, was there someone outside there with you and a neighbor? And she said, no, there was nobody there. And uh, she said, but I was having like a mass panic attack. I was feeling a lot of anxiety. Like, and, you know, the neighbor pulled in and that just sort of calmed me down because there was someone else there. And then you pulled in. So it was all big relief. And I said, OK, because she suffers with some stuff. And then it hit me when I was sitting on the couch. 
Hey, so what did that healer look like in your dream that was with you when you encountered that demon in the hallway? And she said, well, she had short black hair. You know, she was sort of a little bit smaller than me. And uh, she had like a green dress or a green whatever mantle on and sort of similar dress to me. I said, okay, so short black hair, you know, pretty direct. The next morning I got into the truck and I asked, uh, you know, my worker, I said, hey, what that lady look like? Because I was curious. I was like, this isn't going to line up at all. And he said, oh, she had short black hair. She had like a green mantle on, like green shirt. And uh, she was about the same size as your wife. This is wow. the type of stuff that has riddled the past two years of my life. Riddled it. And, uh, you know, for me, I love saying that that's a guardian. I have no idea what that was. Nobody in my family dresses that way. Maybe it's an angel, whatever it could be. Maybe it's God directly. I have no idea. But that reoccurrence, there has been something over my end of the family that has protected us. And you can feel people get very aggressive and very upset when I say this. We have an adopted little boy. And, uh, you know, I knew from the very beginning he was ours by his name. And we are so thankful and grateful for him. And we got him out of foster care. And what a terrible journey. But the whole way through that journey, he was protected. He was guarded. And I always go back and forth. And, you know, I couldn't have kids. Me personally, I wasn't able to have kids. And I believe God ended the bloodline for me, at least my bloodline. He ended that, but he grafted in our adopted son so i think wow. it was the end that bloodline and i'm all okay with that because i don't want the things that affected me affecting him in that way because i am a firm believer of bloodline-based curses and if there are demonic ties or angelic ties that shouldn't be there that they can be broken through a grafting in good yeah no that's awesome man hey paul i wanted to to have you jump in and yeah, go ahead. uh and then make any a comment or, or asking questions that you may have. Yeah. Um, perfect timing on that. I appreciate that. That's um, a couple things I'd like to say and then um, add to what he was talking about there. Uh, so first it's been my experience that a lot of times when people talk about having a history with the occult, uh, the deeper they get with their, their topic, the more you realize it's, it's mainstream information or it's Hollywood that they're just regurgitating back to people. Um, I'm really enjoying this already, th this interview. Um, Jesse, your, your, your knowledge of this is, is legitimate. Um, I've not talked to anybody in a long time that had a history of understanding these things the way that you do. Um, so please don't feel like you're rambling because in reality, you're not, this is information that people really need to get because Hollywood, um, all of these entertainment industries have gotten to where they've rooted into society so bad that as Christians now, when we try to warn people of these things, it's hard to distinguish what is really occult and what is really demonic. Um, from what is just Hollywood trying to push things off as such. Um, and that, again, is part of the threat. So uh, don't feel like you're you're taking up too much time. That This is really rich with information. Um, <laughs> a couple things I'd like to add to it, if it's okay with you. Yeah, um, go for it. So you had mentioned crystals, and you had mentioned, 
And I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, and I've talked about it in other shows before, too. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that crystals are um, hardened or petrified blood from the uh, fallen realm. Um, and I think there could be some truth to that. I don't know. Uh, just as you said, we, we can't truly know until the Lord reveals to us uh, what they really are. But I, I do want to emphasize that when you're dealing with the angelic realm, all we know as far as dimensions, all we're given as truth is the first, the second, and the third heaven. Um, but there are more dimensions than that. And the way that I can prove that is, is we know about our creation. We have a Bible that tells us our creation story. We know that there's another creation story that we know nothing of, and that's the angelic realm. We know they exist, um, and we know they're a higher dimensional being than we are. So we know there are dimensions that they reside in that we have no knowledge or understanding of. Uh, I believe it's 2 Peter 2.4 talks about the angels that kept not their first estate. Uh, well, I would submit that estate literally means dimension in that scenario. Um, and because of that, crystals and other, um, we'll call them demonically charged items, can have multidimensional um, reality. Um, mm. And not trying to sound new age or anything like that, but Unfortunately, uh, I think a lot of times New Age is on the cutting edge of things and, and it gets hijacked before we can prove uh, the biblical truth in things. Uh, they start talking about it in another manner, so it doesn't get the look that it, it needs to get from, from true Christians. Um, so I think you hit the nail on the head there with crystals. Is It's a power and a magic uh, that mankind cannot comprehend because we're not given that ability. Um you also mentioned hallways. I would submit to you as well that hallways uh, in the dream realm are symbolic of dimensions in and of themselves. Hmm. So That's uh, please keep going. Th this is getting really good. I'm really enjoying this. So um, <clears throat> your, your knowledge of this is just fascinating. So please keep going. Hmm. Wow. So I did not know that about the hallways. That's absolutely crazy. I had an experience in that hallway in the reality. Uh, this My mom suffered with this stuff for years. And the way it originally came on, I believe, was through my practice of witchcraft. She suffered with depression and anxiety. And in witchcraft, there's something known as like a triple thumb roll. If you perform something wrong or you do something wrong or you haphazardly do it, there will be consequences and it will come back for you. And I believe I didn't know this at an early age, like 12, 11, dabbling with this stuff is, you know, kicking open a door. So she had all these issues. And the first time around, she really had these, you know, debilitating problems she was laying up in her bed and she heard a voice whisper Lois and Lois was a Christian healer, holistic healer up where we live. And uh, she went to her and Lois looked right at her and said, God told me you were coming. It's your liver. My mom went to 30 some doctors and none of them could diagnose or it's her kidneys or liver or whatever it was, uh, you know, but she diagnosed her immediately. As soon as she walked through the door, Within months, she was feeling better. So this has riddled me from a teenage years, and I'm leaving out a ton of stuff. How I became a Christian was really through a dream. And uh, I was walking outside with one of my friends. I 
you know, seen a beautiful vehicle coming down the road, looked back at my friend. It was no longer a friend anymore. He said, before you get to God, I'll destroy or I'll rip you, your family, and your friends apart. So that was my first encounter with knowing that evil is real and something holds it really in check. And so that made me explore all different religions and, uh, you know, it sort of backfired on the evil end of things, which is good. I love that it did. <laughs> and it's brought me out of that into the light. And I believe a lot of us, you know, generationally are subjected to things. So it opens your eyes. It's like a rude awakening. You have got to see and be touched by the dark so you know how it's tactics. You know how it fights. You understand it so you can battle it. And most what I've seen, the people that break generational curses are usually the black sheeps. And I considered myself a black sheep. I went down a different path. I'm very opinionated. <laughs> I try to be humble, but sometimes I'm arrogant. That's part of being humble is realizing you're in moron some days. you know. And uh, as I did that, as I came out of this stuff, you know, God revealed to me throughout my whole life that he has been interworking a battle to break the generational curses. Let me share this with you. This is the real part of the story. My uncle just passed away randomly from a heart attack. Anyone that was sort of dealing, you know, praying for my mom, anytime, you know, I had random ministers come up to me and say, anytime I pray for your mom, our hearts would become issues like the hearts would beat off the charts and my wife randomly started having heart issues my brother's having heart issues my uncle died 50 some years old of a heart attack in his sleep he's one of the younger ones just randomly died no you know pre-existing conditions he ate pizza and went to bed i guess and just died in his sleep so a lot of this, and I'm not blaming my mom, but I blame whatever darkness was attached to her, loved the heart energy. And if you know about that energy, it's a three-foot energy electromagnetic field that puts out around your entire body, and it's the strongest energy in your body. And things will draw from it, but only high-level things. It's not low-level demons that pull from that stuff. That is like principalities, things that have contracts, like high-end beings. <clears throat> so heart issues have been a real big thing just randomly plaguing us and that you know none of us got the shot nothing like that <laughs> so we can't blame any outside source other than and we're all pretty healthy i'm very you know my wife's very organic we eat very well um <clears throat> no gmos that sort of thing so we have ruled out my wife's extremely healthy for her to have these random issues like this is so bizarre so what we rolled out is there's something attached because if you can't describe or find the problem in the physical, if you can't find it just in the mental status, and then it has to be spiritual by the rollout, there's no option. It's one of the three because that's the realm we live in. And a lot of people don't understand this. You think the demons that came to Jesus needed a prescription medication? They needed delivered. And that's what we'll talk about later. But anyway, so... <clears throat> You know, through the segment at my uncle's funeral, there's one aunt there that creates a lot of issues. And, uh, you know, she just has a problem with everybody, very narcissistic, different things. And uh, narcissism is also a part of generational curses. But anyways, as we were sitting there and I was talking to my dad, she started chattering and I noticed something. It was a random notice. My heart started pounding. And this never happened to me before. It was God's way of revealing to me that she was the bringer of whatever this is. 
God revealed that to me in that direct moment. So immediately I had a mission to not just avoid her, but when I didn't, because I knew I was going to have to encounter her, to treat her with love and not to feed into the darkness. And that's a hard thing to do. If you come from a large family, you know how easy it is to go off the chain. <laughs> it's it's not a hard thing. If you have any family members that drive you nuts or, you know, have caused damage and you don't appreciate that damage, it is easy to lose it on them. And, you know, <clears throat> she's tried a couple different things. And at previous funerals, they would get in fistfights around the caskets, stuff like that. So... She, you know, did her speech. She was asked to sit down multiple times, different things. And, uh, you know, I'm not good at funerals. I've never been, especially family members. One of my uncles calls out, Jesse, get up there. And so I went up and I shared about Melvin, had everybody laughing because he was a great guy. I hope that honors him. He was a fantastic guy. He was hilarious. He was so much fun. We grew up with him. One of the fun, he was the uncle that was stuck in the kid phase. And I, who doesn't love that? You know, he's so easy to relate to. But through all that, I had a lot of realizations in those moments. God gave me a child, separated the bloodline, so he would not be touched. He has a guardian over him. Um, my child's name, not given by us, is Gabriel. When we got Gabriel, and if you know who Gabriel is in the Bible, it's very symbolic for his name. You know, it goes with the Christmas story. I grew up on Holly Street. My name was after Jesse. I was born on December 24th. I have a brother named Nicholas, and now I have a son named Gabriel. My wife's name was supposed to be Noel. This stuff you can't make up. This is a written story. And so when I heard his name, we knew he was ours. We knew it. We just knew it was God's way of saying, hey, here's your child. We're switching things up, getting the bloodline changed. And at the moments, we didn't know that. But when we got him, before we even knew what his middle name was, I looked at my wife and I said, you think his middle name's Michael? She goes, how'd you know that? And sure enough, when we ran into, you know, the original parents and stuff, they're like, hey, his middle name's Michael. They named him Gabriel Michael. To me, that is a God symbolism through and through. God's had his hands the whole way through the bloodline, the generation. And, you know, at that funeral, I watched all the battling happen. And so we got out of the funeral. We buried my uncle. This is a maybe a month, two months later. I just had a meeting in a vehicle with a demon. I don't know what it was. I don't know what level it was. I don't know its rank. But it wasn't me rebuking anything. It wasn't me going off the hinges like you see in Christian meetings. I felt it come into the car. This was around 7.50 at night because I had to run the Home Depot. I had to go get some for a job we were completing the next day. It was so random. I was exhausted. I did not want to go. And we, I was driving in a particular location, going the back way of the Home Depot by my house. And I felt this presence enter the car. And up to this point, I've casted this thing out. I felt it staring in the corner at me like I have experienced all this darkness from this thing. And I've prayed over my mom and I told it to leave. I've told it to get out. And I have severe stomach issues multiple, multiple times. Only after I do this. And, I, you know, I was a minister for 15 years. I know how the route, I know how the command, I know how to get things away. But when something's attached to a bloodline, it's a little different. 
Um, if someone makes a pact with something, if someone makes a deal, if someone cuts something, this thing came into the car, sat down. I heard it sit down in the seat beside me. I heard that leather seat go, you know, how leather crunches. I knew it was there. And I said, listen, this is the first time I ever tried this. I said, I do not want you touching my family anymore. I said, I don't know what you are. I don't know what level you are. I said, but I want you to go back to the sender. And when you get back to the sender, I want you to notify me that you return to that sender and let us know somehow, some way that you're not coming back here. I said, you're not welcome. Your acquaintances aren't welcome. Your friends aren't welcome. People or things you don't like aren't welcome. People you send aren't welcome. You have no place in this household anymore. You have no place on my bloodline. You have no place on my children. You have no place on their children. You have no place on my uncles, my aunts, my cousins. You were broken from here. And I, whenever you, people send something away, you have got to send it somewhere. If you do not say, if you just say, get out of this house, it says, okay. And it goes up into the air and it roams around because it can't go anywhere. Hell hasn't been fully prepared for it. And it says, hey, buddy, you want to come down with me and torment this family? And they come right back. So when you directly share or tell something to leave, you have got to give it a direction. You have got to say, I want you to go to the pigs and you can live in the pigs. We know a very common story in the Bible that that was exactly done. Right. And what the pigs do, they ran off the cliff and killed themselves. Right. So a lot of people can read that story two different ways. You can read the story and say the pigs didn't want the demons or the demons wanted to go back and roam again. You know what I mean? So there's two different ways. Anyways, with all that being said, this thing left, and I didn't find this out until days later. I talked to my brother the next day. He was on the job with me. He works with me. We were building a deck. And he said, yeah, mom started normalizing today. And that was the day after I had this conversation. I said, what? He said, she started normalizing. I said, what do you mean normalizing? She wasn't doing the crying, the welling, the weeping, you know. She started normalizing. I said, oh, that's interesting. Then I talked to him two days later. He called me, said, Jess, I don't know what happened. He said, I don't know what, what's going on. He goes, but mom's almost back to normal. And so I felt prompted. I called my mom. I said, let me tell you what just happened. I said, I don't know if you're going to receive this. I don't know. Because I was avoiding the situation because the calamity that would follow me home after I tried to cast this thing out. And then Nicholas, my brother, he called me again. And he said, Noah overheard a conversation around 8 o'clock on Tuesday night. This is right after I had the conversation in the car with this thing. I said, what was the conversation? And I'm not going to use their names. I actually had to write it down so I don't use the wrong names. So my Aunt Melanie, whose husband passed away, right, passed away, was having a conversation with Jackie, my one aunt that creates all these issues and all this darkness and stuff. And the Aunt Jackie said to Melanie, she said, I think Diane, which is my mom, passed away. I think she's died. Whatever this demon or high level thing was returned to the sender and gave her confirmation. She was on the phone right before she called my mom with this aunt, with the aunt Jackie. And Jackie said to her, I think Diane, my mom has passed away. It went back to the sender. And that's when God confirmed to me that this thing was locked in through her. Super interesting. 
that I asked that thing to return to its sender. And then my Aunt Jackie told my Aunt Melanie that she thought my mom died. And then, you know, my Aunt Melanie was on the phone with my mom talking to her at eight. My brother sent me the uh, screenshot and the call came in at 822. I had that conversation with whatever that was around eight o'clock. Had to be 745 and eight. I had that conversation and then immediately went up to the sender and gave confirmation or whatever it wanted to. I don't care what it gave. But my one of my uh, nephews heard that conversation randomly. So it told me that the breaking of this was a sent item. It was either a curse. It was either a lock-in. It was either calamity brought on by somebody in the bloodline. And that's when I learned. I said, Nick, did uh, that aunt ever practice witchcraft? And they said, yeah. He said, that's the one that brought in, you know, the Ouija board that brought in all this stuff to the house that she was sort of engulfed into this. And she had that reputation of practicing witchcraft. God revealed everything in the past 35 years of my life in that moment. And he said, this has hindered your bloodline and now it is broken. And it started the break at the funeral because all the tactics of the manipulation and the narcissism that that aunt had did not work at that funeral. And we all talked about it. And my generation, my brother's generation, watched it break right there because usually there'd be fist fighting, but the funeral was beautiful. It was a beautiful honor to, to my uncle. And, uh, you know, he did die early, but it was a wonderful gift that he gave there. And I hope that made sense at the end with the conversation with the demonic. And uh, because yeah. it literally happened in time, it was a time frame that it happened. <clears throat> Yeah, go ahead, Paul. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd like to add a couple of things to that. Um, so you mentioned that your salvation came from a dream. Yeah. Um, yep. I find that I find that um, very personal uh, to me because uh, virtually the depth of my understanding of everything that I talk about uh, from Genesis 6 to Dimensions to uh, the Giants, everything comes from dreams. Um, dreams that I've had, and then I search it out, search it out through the scriptures. And um, I love listening to other researchers, but I find that the things that I understand the most are things that I've had dreams on. Wow. Um, the other thing that I would like to add to that is, is um, you you made the comment that when you're casting uh, an unclean spirit or a demon out, that you have to have a location. Um, I've always, any anytime I'm dealing with anything like that, my my, my main go-to is to cast it into the abyss. Um, and I've never really given that any thought as to why I do that. Um, but when you said that, it, it makes perfect sense. And I, I think um, as we get further into this, you know, we'll, we'll talk about spiritual warfare. But um, Scripture really does tell us that in these times of what we don't understand, the Holy Spirit takes over. And I truly believe that because, uh, again, uh, to quote scripture again, iron sharpening iron, I've done this for years and never given any thought to it <laughs> until this moment. You telling me about um, having to have a location to cast them to. That makes perfect sense because I've been doing it for years and just never gave it any thought. That's awesome. Um, it is. It is. Uh, it, it's it's amazing how things click together um in communion like this. The other thing I'd like to add to that is 
Um, when you're dealing with purses, what I like to, the way I like to explain it is, is their legal rights uh, mm. by the adversary through things that um, have been done through the bloodline um, or people have partaken in uh, different um, rights to begin with. Um, and, and you can probably speak on that a little bit better than I can. Uh, but we serve a legal God. And I think people mm. tend to forget that we serve a legal God. Our legal system as human beings is based on a divinity of, of legality. Um, that's where we get that from. Albeit ours is flawed at times, but um, the concept of it comes from the Lord himself. And when we break those biblical laws or those godly laws, we open the doorway um, for the adversary and the demonic realm to legally come in. They have authority at that point until you proclaim that, that Christ is your savior and that you, you close those doors. Um, up until that time, they have a legal right to do whatever it is they choose to do. Go ahead. It's fantastic to hear it. You know, this is a really, and I don't know who's listening. But if you're here, you're not here by accident. This is something that needs to get out because this is not talked. This stuff is not talked about nearly enough this way because there's realizations that happen through the dark. And, you know, the hallway thing is such a huge thing because I dream of hallways constantly. I'm always stuck in hallways and stuff and dreams. So that was a huge realization to me from earlier. And, you know, casting of things, we're taught to do these things, but we're not taught of the repercussions. We're not taught of the sequence. We're not taught of the order. And what people really fail to realize, and you touched base on it, is principalities are placed there. I mean, if the fallen had principality whenever they, before they were the fallen, right, they still hold certain values because that's the law and order of God. If God would break his own law and order, he'd become chaotic. It does not work for our God. It does not work. He does not operate in chaos. So he operates through order and law and sequence, right? And I think that Satan, again, he can't design anything himself. He's not a creator. So he's a mimicker. So if he could stick you in a loop and you just work in that loop of his order and his law, you'll always have chaos. You'll always have calamity. You'll always have all these things we talked about. And I think that's the true generational curse that gets passed down because patterns are taught and patterns are learned. And so, you know, when you stub your toe and you're screaming, mother, and you're freaking out and your kid sees that he'll do the same thing whenever he stubs his toe. Most kids are intuition based and just, you know, visually based the whole way through. So I've been everything I can, you know, we teach our kids some funny things and I, he's such a little awesome miracle that it's neat to see. And uh, he was shaken twice. I mean, he had major brain bleeds, all these different things. And he's more advanced than most kids his age. And I'm not just saying that again, I'm trying to be humble, but uh, you know, testaments, prayer, miracle, God moving, trusting in God, walking in God's room. And a lot of Christians don't want to hear this part of this. When you walk in the light, the darkness will always try to crump on you. It'll try to come and snuff that out. Even though it doesn't have that power, it'll try to knock you off the nightstand. It'll try to have someone come across you and snuff that flame out. 
And the spiritual aspect of this, just because you're a Christian, does not give you immunity to these type of attacks, to this hindrance, to this battle. And, you know, I've been a Christian and I, you know, I don't do the churchianity thing. I do the Christianity. So my journey is with Jesus. I'm always open to listening. And if I wouldn't hear and see the few things that God revealed to me through the funeral, through that encounter with the conversation of whatever being I had in the vehicle, I would have never been able to see the curse of this bloodline lift. I would have never seen it. My eyes wouldn't have been ready for it. I wouldn't have walked through that darkness. I wouldn't have been touched by the dark. Sometimes the black sheep, sometimes the ones that break the pattern and everybody thinks crazy and nobody wants to deal with are the ones that have the sight. They're the ones that have a direction that are being guided by something higher, something better, something bigger. You have got to be aware when that happens, it's okay to be the black sheep or to be friends with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jesse, you, you just mentioned breaking the pattern and however, however those connections are related to habits and learned behavior that kind of gets passed on from from generation to generation and how that's related to generational curses i think is interesting and i want to just tell a, a brief story about a situation that i had so i grew up in kind of a chaotic household my dad was an alcoholic growing up uh, he would have you know just different drunken fits of of anger and rage at different times punch stuff you know, my mom also uh, loved her to death. Um, she she passed away years ago. She she was a believer, so I look forward to to seeing her seeing again her one again. day and getting to hang out with her. Yeah, but um, you know, she had her own struggles with um, just uh, I wouldn't call it fits of rage, but like little maybe many many kind of fits of rage. And so, I grew up in that. So I had to think a little PTSD from growing up. And then I was in the military, I was in the air force and, uh, I got married while I was in Japan and my, um, in that first marriage that I had, it was extremely chaotic because my, um, you know, in that marriage, my spouse at the time there, like she, she grew up being, I mean, just horrible things being done to her. I won't get into the details. And so she had issues from that. That created a ton of issues in our marriage. And we were married for almost nine years. And that like wow. drastically kind of increased my whatever level of like PTSD and anxiety and depression um, that I had. And, and I, I developed like suicidal ideations, um, you know, th throughout that time. And I struggled with that for years. And, uh, so fast forward to just about, I don't know, roughly uh, around three years ago, I think now I, uh, I'd gotten out of a second marriage, um, that, you know, that failed and I was like, okay, enough is enough. I've, I need to go to counseling. Like I need to, I need, I need to, you know, work through and get some healing, so I go to counseling, I'm, I'm just working through counseling and we go back into, we did what my counselor called a life egg. And he was like, I just want you to draw a big old oval. And just anytime you think of something positive or negative that, that happened to you, you know, in your life, he said, just draw a picture that represents that. And then, so we're just exploring all of these things. And 
I think through that, I don't know how, I don't know what, what the mechanisms are, but through me working through that, the Lord was able to heal me. So I'm in my apartment one day and I'd been going to counseling for at this point, um, several months, if not maybe six, six or seven months. And I'm just in my apartment one day, I might've been like just singing a worship song or praising the Lord or something, um, you know, not trying to like go in, but the presence of the Lord came on me like I'd never felt before, mm. not as strong as I'd ever felt before. And it was a crushing presence. I mean, crushing to the point to where like I'm on my face, fully prostrate mm. on, on the ground, crushing. And the Lord, the best way I can describe it is it just felt like the Lord was just like revealing the darkest parts of me to myself, like bringing them to the forefront of my mind, the type of stuff that you just, that, that people, I think we try to normally just excuse like bad behaviors that we try to excuse and yeah. ignore about ourselves. The Lord just, he brought that to the forefront of my mind. It was like, he put a mirror up and is just showing me just all this ugliness of myself. And, and that was one aspect of just that crushing feeling. And I'm just sobbing and I'm just, you know, asking the Lord to forgive me and just repenting. And, and from that moment, I have not had a single instance of uh, depression or suicidal amazing. ideations. From hey, that man, moment. that's amazing. So, so I, I think it, an aspect of that is a part of just a breaking of a pattern, whether it's like a mindset that you're just, mm. that you're stuck in. But I genuinely believe that through me being open and willing to go to counseling and admit my faults, um, I really think that led to the Lord being, being to be able to be like, okay, you're ready now. And then coming in and, you know, having that that experience i'm not obviously i'm not perfect i'm not saying i'm perfect like i'm still i still struggle with with uh you know like you with, with pride and ego and different you know all that kind of stuff that i think everyone can relate to um but as far as that the the suicidal ideations the depression like fully fully healed um, That's amazing. so i just wanted to ju jump in with that story and and maybe encourage somebody who's listening who they're you're from these this conversation you're recognizing like okay there's some things here and you're like what do i do i would recommend consider finding uh godly counsel and by godly counsel what i mean by that is maybe it's a christian counselor or somebody that can kind of help you you know help you walk that start walking that path of healing so jesse paul i just wanted to jump in and share that i know paul had uh had a question or something that he wanted to interject so go, go ahead paul no that that was an amazing testimony and, and it was amazing it, it's perfect timing too because what i was going to say wouldn't have had the depth uh beforehand um i always try to tell people as a watchman uh that's a two-front job it's your job to warn people what's coming um, the opposite side of that job is the part that people don't particularly pay attention to. Um, not to sound cheesy, but you become a one-man army. You're the front line on the spiritual warfare battle. Um, you're the one that, that God equips to fight alone. But you're not truly alone. You're with him. <laughs> um, 
because you're the one that's supposed to hold the line until the Calvary comes. And Revelation says that, and I, I may be butchering this, I'm sorry, I woke up with a massive headache, and it's probably because of this. I, I didn't even think about it being spiritual warfare, but hmm. uh, th this is a very important podcast, probably one of the most important I think I've done, I've been a part of. Um, but Revelation says that they overcame the dragon by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. And that's what you have to be. You have to have a dark past. If you don't, you don't have an understanding of any of things that we have to warn people about. But through that dark past, you already know the enemy. So when you jump down off the watchman's tower and you're down there in the darkness, the light's with you. Mm. And you already know your enemy. That's one of my absolute yeah. favorite, favorite testimonies, my man. And like it was scripture based, everything. I absolutely love that you shared that here. Because in the end, we know we won. This is why it says, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. It's saying you will live and die in a carnal sin if you want to go that way. I'm giving you the ticket out of here. You don't have to live that way. Live by the understanding that the ticket out is victory. We've won the battle. Death has been defeated. It's over. It's done. But while you're here, man, the damage you could do to that dark. And that's what I always think as a minister. That's what I always think as someone just talking and having this conversation with people who are suffering and can't get out of their depression, can't get out of their sin, can't break these bad patterns, is you can do so much damage to the dark if you're able to spare a little light. If you could just get a little bit, do the bare minimum for as long as you can and see what happens with the living God in your life. That journey, man. <laughs> Share your testimony. Share that thing. Share it all day long because that's how you, we will all overcome the dragon, the Antichrist, the darkness, is by what God has done and what he is doing and what he's about to do. There is no more power that you need to break these curses than that. You have got to surrender. And sometimes the deliverance journey isn't someone praying at you or over you. Sometimes God has you on that journey because your eyes need opened a certain way. You have got to be touched by the darkness so you know the darkness, so you can pull others out of it. We've got to get to that place as Christians, start teaching that again, that the darkness isn't just to run away from, but it's there to be faced. And the more you run, the harder it is. Eventually, you will tire out. This stuff has been here for thousands of years. It will catch you. Do not let it catch you tired. Be ready to fight it. Get out there, go see someone, go talk about it, go work through it, do it while you have the strength. That's me. That's the preacher coming out. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're good. I feel. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. there is so much power in it, man. And like, I love that you guys are on this podcast. It's by no accident today. And the funny part is last night, all my stomach issues started up randomly and then they continued. And as soon as I got down here, they started ramping up. I'm like, man, I'm having severe pains, all these different things. But as soon as we started, they've gone away. And I'm not a nervous person. I've done all these engagements, all this stuff. It doesn't bother me. But uh, I know it was a spiritual attack. I'm glad to hear that you had a hindrance, not in that sense, but to know that this was an anointed battle. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, 
the people that are going to hear this and listen to this, I'm not making this up. I don't have any money to make here. I'm not sharing it just for my own fame and glory. I'm doing it to set others free. And if you're suffering with a generational curse and you're battling with, you know, an alcoholic father or whatever it may be, Jesus has the power to set you free from all of that. But that journey you're on or that you're going through or that you're coming to an end of had to happen so you could pull others out of it. It's that simple. It's really that simple. I can't talk to people about divorce because I've never been divorced. What am I going to say? It's like a priest giving you marital advice. They're not married. How do they know how women are? <laughs> you know what I mean? You can say what you want. But the fact is, there is experience sometimes God needs us to have. And you have got to go through those journeys. I mean, Moses wouldn't have been able to give the forward information if he wasn't stuck in the desert with the idiots for 40 years. You know, I say the idiots, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, there's and Joshua wouldn't have had the experience if Moses didn't have that journey. So there's a process. There's an order. And there's positions that we all play and breaking a bloodline. And, you know, I'm so excited to see what Gabriel become because God broke that bloodline, but he grafted him in. He'll carry my name. What a blessing. And it says blessings will go on for a thousand generations where a curse may affect three or four. There you go. So that's the beautiful scripture. I think that's an exodus, right? There is something to be said that blessings will hold where curses will fail. And God is just that powerful, man. Let him work in your life. If you're in the darkness, it's time to come on out. Yeah, man, that's awesome, Jesse. Um, So we've got about, we've got a a little less than, we'll say 20 minutes, guys. So I'd like to end with just some, some school steps that people can take. I think we've, we've kind of weaved that, into the the show a little bit so far but i just want to say step one if if you're listening to podcast whoops can you guys, technical can you guys hear me having some technical yeah, difficulties i'm okay, hearing you all right um step one uh if you're listening to this podcast and maybe you you don't identify as a christian um or you kind of you're in a place where you know the, the kind of the the Christianese term is like backslidden. You know, maybe at one point you felt like you were a Christian, but then you feel like your sin kind of took you away from the Lord. Um, I just want to encourage you that uh, step one is to uh, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, and then you shall be saved. Um, that's just that's the start of this this relationship with the Lord is confessing who He is um, and believing what He has done is real, and you know that's that's where it starts. And honestly, that confession is is a daily thing, right? The Word says to take up your cross daily. Um, so. I, I try to remember to like genuinely, I don't do it every day, but, but I, I try to when, when I remember, but literally just confessing that, that Jesus is Lord, it can't be done enough, honestly. Um, so that's a great place to start. Um, obviously. Um, and Jesse, or actually Paul, let you jump in and just kind of give, give some insights, some practical things that, that people can do 
um, to work towards healing and, and breaking these curses and spiritual warfare? Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, um, and this is going around in, in certain places like right now, um, it's getting kind of popular, which is good. It needs to um, come out of her, my people, um, separate from Babylon. Um, society is a type of Babylon. And obviously we can't fully separate from it, but there's some parts of it that we have to separate ourselves from. Um, we have, you know, you mentioned witchcraft at the beginning of, of the podcast here. Um, witchcraft is the number one bestseller in the United States and has been for some time now. Uh, books based on witchcraft, uh, TV shows based on witchcraft, movies, all kinds of stuff. And until we separate from that as as people wanting to come to Christ, um, we're always doomed to fail because mm -hmm. it's rooted in at that point. Um, it becomes part of who we are. Um, and unfortunately, it's gotten so popular that you just about hardly can't watch anything anymore without um, look at shows like Supernatural, uh, yep. Game of Thrones. Um, there's just so many of them, Twilight, and they paint them in this amazing light so that it's like something good. Um, but let me tell you what is good in that is, you know, we have TV shows like The Walking Dead that show what the world was like before the flood. You know, you want to talk about a zombie apocalypse, it's already happened. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Job 26 says, dead things are formed from under the waters and the inhabitants thereof. So if you want to talk about a zombie apocalypse, it's already come and gone. And by the glory of God, we're here today to celebrate, to celebrate him in a world full of light where these creatures are no longer wreaking havoc on us. Now, I may sound insane by saying that, but when you go back and read the Old Testament, it was such an issue that God had to flood the entire world. Hmm. It wasn't just people that were corrupted. It wasn't just mankind's bloodline. He says all flesh became corrupted, and we wonder where all these different creatures of, of chimera, human-animal hybrids, came from. Uh, we have a Bible that tells us that he had to destroy everything to start over fresh from that, and it's out of that love that we have the ability here to stand here and say, no, these things are wrong. The world did that once before, and there were repercussions. Love that. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say, Paul, is where you can um, separate yourselves from those things of the world that have witchcraft just ingrained in them. Right. So it's the media that that we consume, um, you know, and I don't know if people realize this. Your eyes and your ears are gateways to mm. essentially like your soul. So. If someone has created uh, any sort of like uh, media product, whether it's a show or a podcast or whatever, and it's not created from a biblical worldview, that means it's created from an unbiblical or non-biblical worldview. And whether that person that created it did it on purpose or not, there's some sort of unbiblical, demonic influence that's intertwined within that so when we're watching things like and i'm not saying like 
it's probably not a terrible idea to not watch any of that stuff. But is it realistic to think that everyone listening is going to going to be like, oh yeah, I'm just never going to watch TV again? Um, probably not. So I think as best you can separate yourself from it. But if you are going to watch, you know, certain things, watch them with a critical, a critical eye, a critical mind, and at the very least understand and start to be able to pinpoint and pull out oh this is the philosophy that they're trying to to push to influence me you know so can you watch that stuff and still be entertained and recognize and understand yeah and you can use it to have conversations with people um and ultimately help either lead them into a relationship with the Lord or help them to understand this spiritual battle that we're in. If they're like a Christian who doesn't quite understand the supernatural or, or the battle that we're in. Um, so that was really good, Paul. I, I think that's, that's pretty practical, like kind of separate yourself from things that are trying to influence you in ideas that are not biblical. They're not going to enrich um, your soul, your relationship with the Lord. Um, Jesse, I'd like the last 10 minutes. We'll, we'll just end with you, brother. Any, whatever practical advice you have that you, you want to end on as far as uh, breaking these curses and, and spiritual warfare. Well, before we do go out, Paul, thank you so much, man. I appreciate the kind words. And it's always reaffirming to hear some of, like, I, I hear it's legitimate. You know what I mean? I'm not making this stuff up. And uh, to hear someone else to be like, yeah, your experiences aren't just following the Hollywood context. And I've heard a lot of ministers follow the Hollywood context. I'm like, we've all heard this stuff. This is personal experience. And like, you know, I'm not glamorifying any of this. And I, one of the main ways I used to share Jesus is I would start with witchcraft. I would literally take the enemy and I would say, I'm going to share you just a little smidget to get people interested because everybody wants to be interested in it. It's like it was embedded in us. There is a natural desire for the carnage because it's rooted in rebellion. And we know as humans, we're all rebellious creatures. We're all born into it. Rebellion's a normal thing. That's why we got to learn order. So when I would share my testimony, it was always an instant grab and I would get a million questions. As soon as I would move to the God factor, this people would not lose interest, but it would almost become like the routine, uh, mundane, and you could see people shut off. So what I've learned to do is whenever I talk about witchcraft, I enlighten people through the dark about the light. And if there is the dark here, something must keep this in check. Muslims don't have that answer. You know, uh, the Buddhists don't have that answer, but Jesus has always had that answer. So that tells me there's a polarization that Christianity is pointing towards the light that will keep the dark away. Other religions don't do that. They forewarn you to avoid these things at all costs, because once they're there, they're hard to be uprooted. Christianity, the name of Jesus Christ, is the name above all other names, the name of Yeshua, Literally, L means most high, right? El Elyon. So <clears throat> our God is the most high God. And I'm not glamorizing any of the darkness that I dealt with. That stuff is evil. It is vile. It is wicked. And it does not have any place in any life. And if you bring it into your generations, you will be the downfall of your children's 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 children. Be careful what you're watching. Be careful what you're subjecting yourself to. You know... 
people always talk about the satanic panic and everything that's happened there. And, you know, it sort of made Christians comical. And that was a great ploy of the enemy to make people look like they're goofy, to make them look insane. And that's why I'm so careful in charismatic movements or like the new deliverance movement that's coming up. And you're seeing a guy up on stage shaking because his child's autistic and the lady's delivering him. It's just making Christianity look cheap. I want to see the real article. Living this stuff is the real article. When you feel something coming, like you feel the spirit of God move in your life, wasn't in a church building. It was with you dancing and praising him in your own time, in your own prayer closet. He came over you. You knew that presence. I knew the presence of the darkness because I was so engulfed in it at one time because it was something that I was familiar with. I led worship in churches. I knew when the presence of God would show up and I knew when it would be hindered and I knew when it would leave. The thing is, our God doesn't need us to build him an atmosphere. That's for the demons. Our God can come and go as he pleases. If you're willing, he can come into your life and change it all around. He will open your eyes where you were blind and asleep before. And this isn't just for you to come into salvation. This is for you to get out of your suffering. This is to break the generational curses that will affect your daughters and sons. Do you want to see your daughters and sons go off the war? Do you want these things to happen? Do you want to be a part of a perverse generation? We are the beginning of changing all of that. Don't let God do another flood before the end time, right? Not that he would do flood. He may do it with fire. He may do it with wind. But let's not be the generation that's like, man, I got to apologize for Sodom and Gomorrah because I left this one go on so long. We have got to come to terms and grips that we are not perfect that we need to be more humble, that our walk with Christ is more important than our walk with the darkness, and to shed light to those who are suffering and to share the testimony of the living God, man, is above all else. You should be shouting from the rooftops what God's doing for you daily and ignore what the devil's trying to put in your way. Just keep moving towards the light. And, uh, you know, for me, whoever heard this, if you're suffering with a generational curse, find somebody that can help you get out of it. If you're suffering with abuse, if you're suffering with suicidal thoughts, if you're suffering with depression, if you're suffering with alcoholism, if your dad suffered with it, if your mom suffered with it, if the doctor told you you're going to have heart issues because your mom had heart issues and her mom had heart issues, it's your turn to break all that. And we know what is done in the spiritual will manifest in the physical. Break it there first. It's all spiritual. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness in high places, right? Depending what version you read. <laughs> but that's what I have to say about the generational curse. It can be broken even if the contracts or the curses are there. God is the most high. He is the final say. He is the judge, the beginning, the end, the alpha, and the omega. There is no one before or after him. He is it all. And to God be the glory, I hope that this touches someone, and I am so thankful, and I feel like this was the final blow in the whole generational curse thing, because I've never told this story to anybody, because I was afraid of the backlash that it would get, but I've watched it end, and I declare on this podcast that it has ended, that that stuff will not touch any of my generations. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Well, 
before we end, I just want to say uh, a special thanks to all of our our kind of our paid Camp Hermon members. Genuinely, thank you for the the <clears throat> financial support. Uh, anyone that's bought merch, anybody that has gone to kevlarjo.com and and bought uh, our blends of coffee and and used the promo yeah. code CAMPERMON10 that has gotten 10% off. All of you um, have kept us going over the the past year. Um, so you know, without without your financial support, we uh, we wouldn't be able to do this show and have these conversations and and put this out. So thank you so much. Uh, I know I know Mike and Tori uh, feel feel the same, and uh, Jesse. Paul, thank you guys so much for for joining me. Um, I, I, I'm I'm about to get ready to go to church. We're we're recording this on a Sunday morning. I'm fixing. <laughs> you already to church, went to church. <laughs> I feel. I was just gonna say, I feel like I've I've been at church, man. I've just I've just felt the yeah. um just the Lord's kind of presence and hand uh, all over this this show today. Uh, so thank you guys so much for for joining me. Thank you guys so much, Paul. It was great to meet you, and I can't wait to hear more from you. Go listen to his podcast as well. My goodness, I can't wait to be a part of another one like this. And I love I love what you shared. I really do. And Chris, thank you so much, like always, for always having me and uh, keeping this open and allowing me to share something that otherwise I couldn't share probably anywhere else. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. And uh, yeah, I, I forgot to mention at the the start of the show, uh, Paul's got a website, thewindown.com, uh, where him and his wife are, you know, they're posting uh, different blog, blog articles and, and things that they're researching and, and explorations that they go on. So check out thewindown.com for more from Paul. Hey, thanks for that. Um, Jesse, thank you for for um, allowing me to be a part of that um, amazing testimony. I, I, I loved being front row seat, being able to hear that. That was, um, that was a blessing in and of itself. So thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Glad you were here. Was glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. You know, guys, I had a feeling that getting you two guys together would be a, a freaking home run and uh i i feel like i'm i'm right on that one and uh yeah this was, this was a blast yeah it was it was great and we're gonna we're gonna have to get the three of us together uh, again at some point um this was this was just so much fun guys i've gotta i gotta jump in the shower and, and head off to church genuinely jesse paul love you guys and uh can't wait to do this again Down the top vanity, brought the proliferation of humanity. A fallen sons of the most high God took advantage of the planet he made.